Continuing this morning, the book of Matthew, chapter 27. We left off at verse 11, and that's where we'll begin this morning. Just a quick introduction in the way of review. Uh, the last several Sundays we've been going through uh, chapter 26, 27, uh, re- reference to Jesus, uh, His preparing for the cross, uh, His arrest, and, he, and then His trials uh, before Annas, Caiaphas, and the Sanhedrin. And just a reminder, so as if you're reading these scriptures on a regular basis, when you come to, you know, some, some of you like to read them ahead of time and come prepared, just remember that, that the Jewish leadership, Annas, uh, Caiaphas, uh, the majority of the Sanhedrin for that matter, uh, were so, I, not, I, I, I use the word bent and that can have so many connotations, but they were so bent on arresting Christ and, 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 and seeing Him to His death that they were willing to set aside things that were part of their law in order to accomplish their purpose. Uh, arresting uh, Jesus in the middle of the night. Uh, uh, trials in the middle of the night before Annas and Caiaphas. Caiaphas coming to the conclusion as well as Annas said, that, you know, okay, he has blasphemed. He has, he has called himself the Son of God. He's, he's, we don't need any more of this. Uh, and, and so let's, let's take him to Pilate. But before they could do that, they had to, to meet with the, soul, the whole Sanhedrin. And they did that at the break of day in order to be legal. They'd already made their decision. They had already had their, their, their purpose and their design, but they went through the formality of having, quote, the legal trial uh, with the Sanhedrin who, who brings them to uh, the point that, again, he speaks blasphemy, he deserves death, was their conclusion. The thing that he was speaking, though, was, was that it was all having to do with his relationship as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And they knew that Rome could care less about that. And so they needed to come up with something in addition that would attract the attention of Pilate and say, oh, I have to deal with this because. okay, And that has to do with the idea of Jesus being a king. And they used that, even though they knew that Jesus wasn't saying that He was a king in reference to taking over Rome, being a, an, uh, against Rome or anything in that context, they used it in a sense, they put it together, conniving is a word that you could use, uh, deceptive, another word, to present it to Pilate. And uh, so they, they, we come to this point where Jesus now will be standing before Pilate. Uh, chapter 27, verses 1 and 2, uh, before we get to verse 11, kind of opened the door to this. It says, When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put Him to death. In other words, they had already made the decision. Okay, and, and they did that, like I said, illegally in the middle of the night. And they bound Him and led Him away and delivered Him over to Pilate the governor. Now, the, the parentheses in this uh, was this Scriptures uh, 3 through 10 where Judas has remorse. He goes back, and in the story we all know it well, but he goes back, says, I don't want this money, put it, take it back. 
I have I've betrayed an innocent man. And I want you to, to key in on verse 4 there, the, the, uh, about that is that I have, you know, basically, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Their response, what's that to us? See to it yourself. In other words, it's done and, and over. Now, Judas' response to this was he couldn't live with himself and he went out and hung himself. Uh, people, I, I've heard over the years, and we went into this a little bit when talking about this before, but over the years I've heard so many different stories coming down to uh, probably one of the more popular things out of the 70s in the way of the, the, the hippie movement and stuff like that, but a number of, of, of musicals, and one of them was Jesus Christ Superstar. And, and then there's a song, Poor Old Judas. And, uh, you know, Judas was just plain confused. No, Judas was a thief. He was a, a, a dishonest person. He was taking advantage of the person, uh, kind of like the treasurer who carries the purse. Uh, it makes it, the scriptures make it clear. Judas was not a good guy. And his intent to betray Jesus was because Jesus, all the way around, wasn't fitting the group. Plus, he was looking at it. He realized things were coming to an end. And he wasn't going to get anything out of it anymore. So what's he do? He goes to and, 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 and betrays him for 30 pieces of silver and, and at least gets the last ride on the coattail, so to speak, of, of ability to collect off of him. So Judas, though, does come under conviction. This is not repentance. It's remorse. And there is a difference. I'm confident that the Scripture would have used words and deal with repentance if Judas had had a change of heart. He just felt bad about having done what he did. And he hung himself. Well, leave Judas out of this. At this point, we're coming to where we are today. Matthew 27, verse 11. Now, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. The chief priests and the elders representing the Sanhedrin, the council of the, the, the Jews, the highest prevailing order of, of, of the Jewish people in sense of, of Jewish law. He gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave them no answer not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. And I don't think there needs to be a lot of explanation here uh, other than you'll, you'll realize that Jesus is fulfilling Scripture of the Old Testament by not giving a defense. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus never says anything. Obviously, we see that he's going to talk with Pilate and, and about some things. But the reality is, is that he, he didn't make a, a defense. He didn't need to make a defense. His life had already spoken of who he is, what he can do, and, and, and the fact that they were doing what he was do, they were doing was all on them. And so, uh, he is silent. And it says that, that Pilate is uh, amazed uh, by this. And you've you got to understand that what Pilate is used to, at this point in time of, 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 of somebody being accused of the crimes that could lead to death, of men who are, are, are throwing out every excuse they can to defend themselves. Anything that they can grasp a hold of. 
including going to the point of, 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 of just falling apart, weeping and asking for, for forgiveness and, and asking for their lives to be spared. You know, prison, anything, but, but spare our lives. They were, they were, Pilate was used to hearing this. And Pilate, you've got to understand, was, was not a particularly nice guy. Uh, he didn't have any fondness for the Jewish people. He was there because it was a post that was seen as a, a, a stepping stone. Uh, and in the sense of priorities, his wife, by the way, was uh, Tiberius Caesar's uh, daughter, and uh, so uh, you know he he was he was had high hopes about where he was going to go with this, uh, and and this was a stepping stone. He had been a valiant warrior at one point in in the military, and now he was prepared to to go into the politics side of it, and so. Uh, you know, he wanted to keep everything in order. But you got to understand, he's, he's trying to figure out here a, a fine line. He started in 26 A.D. He went for 10 years, until 36 A.D., as the governor of, of the area of Judea. And he was, uh, at times he did some things that he knew were going to aggravate them. Just almost, you would have to say, out of just being mean. Yeah, he, he minted a coin that had Caesar's face on one side and, and a, some uh, symbolic uh, emblems on the other side that were part of pagan faith, pagan religion, and that was the currency of, the, of, the, of doing business with Rome and Judea. And, man, they, the, the, there, was, there was riots, there were all sorts of problems that came up over this. And finally, after two years, he, he caved and, and he withdrew his coins. Uh, you know, he's, again, he's, he wants to, to, to be absolutely in control. And at the other point, he wants to be very careful that he doesn't get a, anybody getting mad enough that Rome's attention is driven to it and saying, is he doing the job? You know, so he wants to keep this balance. And yet, you know, he did some other things. Uh, the, 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 there was uh, what they call the Roman standards or the marching uh, standards and stuff. They have these big shields on them with the emperor uh, and, and, and basically with words that declare that the emperor is, is God, basically. And he, they, they were so careful before Pilate, the governors had been so careful to keep those out of Jerusalem. Because every time one came in, there was a riot. Because the Jewish people are saying, this is our sacred city, it's the, the, the place of the temple, uh, we cannot tolerate this paganism coming through. And so they were careful. What's Pilate do? In the middle of the night, he sneaks in a bunch of them. And again, riots, different situations. Actually, a, a number of, of, of Jewish people were, were killed at that point in a couple of the riots. Uh, took temple money to build an aqueduct for the Jewish people. He said they have to pay for it, and he and he would, took money from them through their temple. And, and again, that was a, a blasphemy uh, as far as the Jewish people were concerned. So I'm trying to draw this picture for you that you have to understand. Pilate has no desire to be necessarily in good favor with the Sanhedrin or the Jewish people. All he wants to do is to rule over them and as and if and when he can, move ahead. And so, uh, those were just a few of the things that he did, but, and there were more. Uh, it is interesting. The pilot was removed from his position in, in AD 36 as an incompetent uh, governor. 
And uh, it's it, so the you know he might have been a great soldier, but he wasn't much of a politician. He was he he just didn't get it right. So now we have Jesus standing before Pilate. Pilate asking, "Are you the King of the Jews?" Jesus says, "You've said so." Chiefs, the chief priests and the elders, representation of the Sanhedrin before Pilate, uh, accusing him. So, in a sense, they're the uh, the the um, not the defense attorney, the other ones, uh, <laughs> prosecutor. Thank you. You know, they're there as the prosecutors. You know, and and bringing all these charges against him, and and. Uh, He's saying basically, verse 13, do you hear these charges? Jesus gives no response to the charges. And Pilate, it says, was greatly amazed. I think also, in addition to the fact that he wasn't acting like a normal person under these circumstances would act, it was so much the, the, the reverse there's the appearance from the way this is presented to us in the Gospels that Jesus was, was calm. He, he wasn't flustered about these things. Uh, he was there without fear. It was like he was not intimidated by any of it. Well, that's because he had already gone through the facing of what was really going to come, the cup that he would drink on our behalf. He had been ministered to by angels to strengthen him. He was there now as the Son of God and he was prepared. He was ready. Calm, like I said, without fear. Uh, we have more detail of this conversation that, that he had at this point with uh, Pilate as he stood before him in uh, John chapter 18. And uh, it starts with the 36th verse, or excuse me, the, uh, the 28th verse. Uh, it uh, says, then, he, then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would be not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. They'd already been defiled. They had already broken their laws. They were already unable to do this, but they, they just excused all of that and went through the formalities. So Pilate went outside to them and he said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus said he was going to be crucified. The Jews could not do that. Only Rome could do that. And at this point, only the governor of Judea in this district could give that authority if it was going to be a Judean issue. He goes on and, 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 and Pilate entered the uh, headquarters, talks to Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world, uh, not from the world. 
Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? I'm not going to go into any great detail there other than the fact that what that statement was was there are so many truths in the world. There's, uh, there's the, the Eastern influence in religions. Uh, there's, there's the Roman truth. There's the, the, the truth up in Spain. There's the truth over in Britain. There's a truth, you know, all these different places with pagan religions all claim to have answers in truth. He said, there's, there, truth is, is, is an undefinable thing. It can't, and Jesus says, no, there is a truth. And of course, we know what he's referring to. Going back to what, uh, at the Last Supper, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the truth, representation of, the true representation of God. Jesus, you see Jesus, you have seen the Father. After he'd said this, he went back out, Pilate, uh, and said to the Jews, uh, to, to, outside of the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Meaning there's no laws that he's violated in reference to Rome. He's not saying that there isn't a beef between them and the Sanhedrin that they need to work out and take care of. But he says there's nothing here between Christ and Rome. There's nothing he has done. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. We'll get to that in a minute. I find no guilt in him. Now, we get from the Gospel of Luke one other picture that we need to see this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 23. Verse 6. Well, I need to go back to... Let's go back to verse 4. Verse 20, chapter 23 of Luke, verse 4. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. Where we just left off in John. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people teaching throughout the Judea from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. Pilate is, is, is shrewd. You've got to give him this. Because he, he caught the word Galilean. And, and, and when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, meaning he'd been born uh, there, he, he sent him over to Herod. He was, in a premature way of saying this, trying to wash his hands of this. It's not my problem. So, you know, and Herod happened to be, by the way, in Jerusalem at the time. He had long desired to, when Herod saw Jesus... Uh, well, it says he was himself in Jerusalem at the time. In verse 8, he says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad. For he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to someday uh, to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him about at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him, then arraying him with a splendid clothing they sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and, the, and Pilate became friends. 
Isn't this interesting? They had been at enmity, an enmity between them over, the, over this time and, 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 and now it says they became friends over this situation with Jesus. I, I just think it's interesting to see the different people who unite for the purpose of killing Jesus. And, and people that would not have united under any other cause together. They had nothing to do with each other, but here they are coming together. Well, back to Matthew. We see the problem is, is Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate. I, I, I can only imagine Pilate's frustration at this point. It's, he, he's used to having a solution by this point. He's, he's manipulative, he's deceptive, he's conniving. He normally can have a, a way of figuring it out by now. So, going to verse 15 of chapter 27. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So, when they had gathered, Pilate said, uh, when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? You notice how he's picked up on this. He's called Christ, the Messiah. He's your choice. You know, he's Pilate's aware of just uh, days before this, the triumphal entry. He's somehow hoping that the people are going to get him out of this at this point. He's, he's trying to manipulate the words in such a way that he can get them to respond and he can turn around and, 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 and kind of skate underneath that with the people supporting Jesus. For he knew that it was out of envy that the Sanhedrin had delivered him up. Because while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife, uh, besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him. So in the middle of all of this, and he's sitting, in a sense, holding court, okay, his wife sends a word to him, have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him uh, today in a dream. Now, most of the time, we wouldn't think much about somebody saying, I had a dream and you know, whatever, but you've got to understand a superstitious culture. Dreams, under the circumstances, this could be something significant to him. And I believe that God used exactly that and their superstition to bring about one more piece of information and one more thing to actually put Pilate in a position where he is responsible for a decision he has to make. You notice how many times in the Scripture God uses unsaved people to accomplish His purposes? Think of just getting, the amazing thing of getting Jesus born in Bethlehem. There was no reason for Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem other than the fact that a greedy Caesar wanted to raise more money and he didn't know how many people he could get taxed from and he wanted to spend the money. It's almost like, like we hear today, spend the money before we get it. We've got to know how much is coming in so we can spend it today. 
even though we won't get it until tomorrow. Uh, and, and so he, you know, they, he gets this thing. And, and, and the Hebrew people, they had to go to their city of birth. That meant Joseph and Mary. They had to go back to Bethlehem, the ancestral city, to sign up for the taxes. So, clear over in Rome, God uses him to get Jesus over here in the Middle East in Palestine to exactly where he needs to be to be born. I, I just see this over and over and over in Scripture. It's one of the things that has amazed me through the, the years of, of just seeing. Everything is at God's fingertips. He really is sovereign. He really is in control. There isn't anything that escapes his attention. He's never behind on, on understanding what's going on around him. It's his plan, his purpose that's unfolding. So we have Pilate's wife speaking to him, and so he says, Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd, though, to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, he need, uh, that basically, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, implying all the louder as well, let him be crucified. Pilate's basically defeated at this point. He's played his cards out and he's not getting the responses he expected to get. The Sanhedrin has been just as manipulative and deceptive and dishonest as, as, as Pilate had a reputation for being. And the irony of this is that they're doing all of this at the time of the feast and the Passover, which is supposed to be the holy time of the year for them. And they seem to be doing it without a whim. Without, without, without any conscience whatsoever as to what they're doing. Pilate gives up, basically. And we pick up at verse 24 of, of Matthew 27. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing but rather that a riot was beginning. He took water and he washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered. This is a really interesting response of the crowd. They have been coached, by the way, by the Sanhedrin, the, chiefs, the, the chief priests and, the, and the, the elders to come to say these things. All the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. I don't know if you understand what that means, but it's basically may there be a curse on us and our children. And, and uh, uh, if, if Jesus is, is, is not guilty. Then He released 
for them Barabbas, scourged Jesus and delivered Him up to be crucified. There's more in this that you could read again in John chapter 19 of what some of the things that went on during this time. But the thing was is that what we're getting through here is, is all of a sudden we're saying, well, who really is at fault then? In a sense, that's where we're, we're left with this. Is it Pilate that's responsible here? He is responsible. He could said at any point there, forget this. And the crucifixion would have been out. Doesn't mean that the Sanhedrin couldn't have got together and, and said, okay, well, we'll stone him then. But they didn't want that. You see, the Sanhedrin was so manipulative in this. What they were doing here was before the Jewish people of the city of Jerusalem, people there for the Passover, all of this going on, as it was happening, what they wanted to do was they had been trying to discredit Jesus over and over and over again. Now he's going to stand before them and is standing before them accused as a criminal by the Jewish leadership. And, and even though Pilate is saying, I can't see this, they're getting the message out. And what they wanted was, if Rome will take this and, 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 and use it, then when everybody looks at Jesus, what they're going to see ultimately is this man hung on a cross who, according to Scripture, is a cursed man. Old Testament says, cursed is the person who hangs on, the, on a pole or on the cross. So they, that's, this is what they were striving for. Their whole reason for getting this to the point where it would be on the cross was important to them. Because this would so just... How could this possibly be the Son of God? How could this possibly be the King of the Kingdom of God? He's, 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 look at him. He's, he's been beat. He's been mocked. And then ultimately scourged. And, and, and whipped, but that was past this point. You know, they were trying to do anything they could to discredit him before the people. And these guys were running. They they had their their people. I, I I just can see this conspiracy so involved because they had their their the priests had their supporters in the crowd to stir it up. Crowd psychology and, and, and mentality is an interesting thing. There are people who will do things in a crowd that they would never do. They might have contemplated, thought about it, but they would never actually do unless they were caught up in a crowd and had a sense of amenity. You know, uh, you know, and here it is. So, Pilate, he, he had him scourged. He turned him over. And he didn't turn him over to the Jews. He turned him over to the soldiers, his own soldiers, to be crucified. The Jews couldn't do that. A Jewish person couldn't, the Jewish culture couldn't do that to, to, a, to a, a Hebrew. Interestingly enough, a Roman citizen couldn't be crucified either. Uh, so, the idea was we want him discredited. We want him torn down. And we'll use Pilate. So, somebody will say, well, Pilate was the final authority here. But then the chief priests and the elders were manipulating this. So it must be they're, 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 they're the ultimate. I mean, they're the ones that arrested Jesus initially and brought him to Pilate. So, and they're the ones that have been striving over, ever, especially ever since the resurrection of Lazarus, to put Jesus to death. And don't, don't forget, they would have put Lazarus to death if they, if they 
just figure out the circumstances to do it. I mean, they were at that point where there's the proof that he can do what he says he can do. Uh, we'll kill him too. So it makes the chief priest and, and, and elders sound, and the Sanhedrin sound pretty guilty. Oh, Judas. Although Judas tried to undo it with, in, 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 a, uh, in a timely manner, he did say, a man of innocent blood. It's interesting that Judas came to that conclusion. The mob. Again, Pilate. Who's the most guilty? And that's where we get to the reality of all of this. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, Jesus made him, uh, God made him to be sin for who, for sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, so that we, who's the we? All the people that confess Christ with their mouth and believe in the heart that he is the Son of God, might become the righteousness of God. Look at Colossians just a little bit further in there. Colossians chapter 2. Verses 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands that He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ, in Him. How did they do it? By Him being nailed to the cross. Why was He nailed to the cross? For my trespasses. For my sin. First Peter says again something very silty, similar. And the bottom line is, is that it comes down to the, the reality is, is that I guess you could say it's nobody or it's everybody. <laughs> you know, in the sense that, that we can see the part of... And, and, and in reading this and studying it and reading through various parts of it, uh, and, and, and if you were to take time to go to Philo or Josephus and read of it from a, from a historical standpoint without the, the theology behind it, you would look at it and you, you'd, you'd be able to start pushing your fingers at different people and saying, here's the first chief priest, the high priest, the, uh, Pilate, you know, all of these different people. But the reality is, we are the reason Jesus went to the cross. Not Pilate. Not the chief priests. He went to the cross for all who would see him, confess him, and believe in him. I look at the back of our, our bulletin. We have the problem that we have here is, is Romans you know, it says Romans three twenty three all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We have a lot of hymns and, and, and choruses and songs that we sing that talk about the fact that, uh, you know, I, I think of the one that says that we, that we hear our voice in the crowd mocking Jesus, you know. We're all responsible. We are all guilty. And the response that God wants from us is to, to come to that point where we confess our sins, agree that, that my sins nailed Him to the cross. Can I say your sins nailed Him to the cross? Yeah, I can say that. But then I'm still ignoring what God really wants me to get out of it. It was interesting to hear a, uh, an uncle when I did the wedding of my sister. I had been a, a pastor just for a short period of time. And uh, uncle knew me growing up. And uh, he asked my dad, he says, is this wedding legal? Because he knew I was a, a, a bit of a... a, 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 a well, one of the words he used was he called me a cull. Uh, but, but uh, you know, with, with some reasonable, you know, explanation behind it too. And at my dad's funeral, I was preaching at my dad's funeral, my uncle came up to me and he said, oh, you really believe all of this? And he says, what happened? And I got to share my faith, but the thing that you have to do when you share your faith is one of the things that needs to happen is you I came to the understanding that I was a sinner and I needed salvation and I was helplessly, hopelessly lost, but for the cross of Christ. My sins were nailed to that cross. And when I say Jesus is my Lord, and I confess it from my heart. My, mouth, my heart and say it with my mouth. I believe He's the Son of God and God raised Him from the dead. I'm admitting my part to the day that Jesus stood trial and was convicted and turned over for crucifixion. I think it's important that we do this. It's really easy, like I said, especially if you look at it from a historical reference point. I can recall taking a uh, Middle East religions course when I was in college, secular college, and, and what, this did come up as to who, who was really the, the, the responsible for this. And of course, we, we had great discussions about all these different people and their, their part in it and realized that it was a concert, that it all worked together. Not one of us coming up and saying, well, I see God's sovereign hand here <laughs> working through this because God had a plan before the foundation of the world. But when I found out that that's what had happened, you could not come back and escape. I put Jesus on the cross. What do I do about it? Well, go back to the end of the Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I look around in here today and I, I, and I, the fact that people are in church on Sunday is a general indicator that, 
that, that something's happening in their lives in reference to God working. But I am cautious about making the assumption that everybody has the same understanding here and what it takes to be right with Christ. And if for any reason you're here this morning and this is the first time it's pricked your heart, really really got a hold of you, uh, after the worship service, come and talk with me. and uh, Or give me a call during the week, however you want to do it, and, and, and we'll go over this. I was amazed. It's probably been... Nine years ago, sitting on a bus to Mexico on a mission trip with an 84-year-old dentist who was donating his time. And uh, it was funny. I mean, he didn't know who I was. He was from another church and and it was a concert of things together to put this together. And and, uh, he was last minute entering in person to this, and so I had not met him until that day. Uh, and so uh, Lance Anderson, those of you who know Lance, a uh, pastor in Garberville, uh, invited him. And uh, uh, he, he basically said, well, what, what's your story? And I knew what he meant, and so I shared. I said, well, what about you? He says, well, I've only been a Christian for a few months. 84. He says, but I've been to church all my life. He was going to a church where Lance was a substitute pastor, uh, filling the pulpit for the fact that they didn't have a pastor. And he had been in that church, that particular church, for over 25 years. He was on the board. He was a leader. He taught youth, taught Sunday school. And had never heard the message of salvation like we talked about it today. And when he heard it, he broke right there and sobbed. Came forward and says, where's the water? Basically. So, it's always that time to to say to people, Take a look. Make sure where you are. And even if you know that you know that you know that you've accepted Christ as your Savior, it's still a time where when these things come up and we're reminded to be thankful to be and, 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 and giving God the glory and all of the things that we want to do and praise Him and thank Him and worship Him is to also say, Lord, if they see in me, check in me. Check me out. See if there be any wicked way in me. Convict my heart. And we do, when we come to communion, this is a perfectly time, good time to do that. Because communion is a representation of what God had orchestrated here and brought together. Was that the innocent man, Jesus Christ. Think about this now. Pilate basically saw him as innocent. Judas had come to the conclusion that he was innocent, actually knew it. Pilate's wife in a dream calls him a righteous man, meaning he's innocent. You know, and, and, and still it all went forward. It went forward for one reason and one reason alone. God was orchestrating this. He was letting men make their choices, but He was orchestrating this. And His perfect will was accomplished 
I know Ted's got a whole message coming up about the details on that. So I'll leave it alone there and just say, uh, come back next week for part two. Uh, that, uh, uh, I just want you, to, as we share in communion this morning, just to be not only thankful for what God has done, but introspective and asking God to open our hearts and see what He wants to do in our hearts. And uh, most often I've found in, the, in, in my life that when I'm sincere about opening my heart, He's faithful about coming in and, 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 and pointing some things out. You know that Scripture says, Behold, He stands at the door and knocks. And if you open the door, how many of you have you seen the paintings of those where the, there's no doorknob on the outside? Um, meaning that we have to open the door from the inside. He didn't say that. That wasn't written to non-believers. That was written to believers. Uh, God wants us to open the door for Him to come in and be there. And as soon as His presence comes into, into your, your heart, into your mind, it can't help but illuminate the things that need to be taken care of as well. So, join me as I pray for communion right now, and then we'll pass the communion out and uh, share it together. Father, we come asking you to put into our hearts right now the things that need to be looked at. And realize, Lord, that every one of us, when we say, who is it that put Jesus on the cross? We realize ultimately, it's mankind. It's fallen man. And, but for the grace of God, I am one. And, uh, I ask, Lord, that you would not only remind me of the joy of my salvation, but also the need to be right before your throne and ask, Lord, for you to examine, to open, to convict. And all who would join me in this prayer, uh, we, we come to you and ask that you would move in our lives, that we would be the men, the women, the children of God that you want us to be today, tonight, tomorrow, wherever you put us. And that we would be a testimony and a witness ready to share at a moment's notice the awesome grace that you have poured out. We love you. We worship you. We thank you. Be with us now as we share in communion. In Jesus' name, amen. Ask the ushers to come forward, the worship team, please.